Get your fill of baseball news and beer reviews at foulballarea.com. Follow our blog for the latest news around the baseball world and read about some of our favorite ballpark beers. Tune into the podcast every Wednesday as we take a deep dive into the topics of the day. Stay connected by signing up for our mailing list or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Foulball Area. Now, here's today's episode of the Foulball Area Podcast with Matthew Atkins and Trey Lyle. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Foulball Area Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Atkins. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's edition of the podcast. Trey Lyle couldn't be with me this week. Our schedules didn't quite line up for this week's episode, but he will be back next week as the usual co-host. So today, you just get me going solo. I do have a special guest coming up later in the episode, and I think you guys will enjoy that interview. But until then, you just get me going solo, giving you my thoughts about what's going on around Major League Baseball, college baseball, a little bit of college softball, just a little bit of everything around the baseball world this week. Because a lot has happened this week. I mean, since last week's episode, some baseball leagues very close to me have gotten started. The Rockingham County Baseball League and the Valley Baseball League have each kicked off their seasons back in the Shenandoah Valley. You got a lot of stuff going on around Major League Baseball, as always. The Braves had a good weekend series against the Dodgers. They won two out of three against the Dodgers, and they won the first game of their series against the Phillies, lost the second one on a walk-off home run that was just brutal, and then I'm recording this as they play the third game, so hopefully they'll end up winning that one. Uh, There's just been a lot of stuff going on around Major League Baseball with the whole foreign substances used by pitchers to increase spin on the ball and then MLB coming out saying they're going to crack down on that and all of a sudden you see a major decrease in spin rates by some pitchers who people had suspicions of them using foreign substances so a lot of interesting stuff going on around Major League Baseball on that front and then like I mentioned going to touch a little bit on some college softball and we'll go ahead and do that right now because JMU softball had one of the most impressive runs that I've ever seen from any college sports team. It was unprecedented what they did for JMU sports. For the softball team, they made it to their first ever Women's College World Series. So that's a historic achievement right there. And then they won their first two games. They beat the number one seed, Oklahoma, and then they beat Oklahoma State in their second game. They became the first unseeded team at the Women's College World Series to ever win their first two games. And what's even more impressive, the the Women's College World Series is in Oklahoma. So they beat Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in their home state. That is super impressive. Odyssey Alexander was phenomenal for JMU. I saw the stats on ESPN. I can't remember exactly how many pitches she threw in their postseason run. But it was over a thousand. And I know that, I know we've talked about this with Evan Hughes a few weeks ago on the podcast talking about Virginia Tech softball that the underhand motion of pitching and softball is a little bit easier on the arm than the overhand motion of pitching and baseball and that allows pitchers to throw more innings and throw more pitches but it's still really impressive when a pitcher goes out there throws practically every inning of the tournament for that team and throws over a thousand pitches so hats off to Odyssey Alexander phenomenal pitcher phenomenal athlete I mean that play where she tagged the Oklahoma State runner out trying to score at home, that play will go down in JMU history as one of the greatest plays in all of JMU sports. 
And I'm I'm from Harrisonburg. I grew up during the best days of JMU football when they won their first national championship and then when they made the playoffs pretty much every year since then. I've seen a lot of JMU sports. I've been there for a lot of the big moments. But that play by Odyssey Alexander is going to go down as one of the best plays in JMU sports history. So just got to give a huge shout out to the JMU softball team. A great season, a great postseason run. They're losing a lot of seniors like Odyssey Alexander and Kate Gordon and Lindsey Meeks and a lot of other key contributors. But this is a good program. And Lauren Laporte is a good coach. And I think they will be back in this same spot in the years to come. All right, moving on to Major League Baseball. I touched on a little bit of the foreign substance stuff. I'm not going to get too into that because there's just a lot of levels to that. And I think we should spend really probably a whole episode talking about that. There's a whole lot of ways that you can look at the issue of pitchers using foreign substances to increase the spin on the ball. You know, whether or not it should be legal, you know, talking about how many pitchers around the league are using it. There's a whole lot of different angles that you could look at this issue from. And so I think we should save that maybe for next week. We'll get into that, spend a whole episode talking about that topic because it is important. It is something that we have to touch on. But, you know, the, there's just too many different ways to look at it. And I, I want Trey here for that debate. So don't think that we're just avoiding that because it is a big issue. And, you know, Garrett Cole is under fire receiving some criticism for people being suspicious of him possibly using foreign substances. Even Jacob deGrom. Some people think that he might be using some, some sticky stuff on the ball to increase grip and increase the spin rate. I don't think he is. But I, I want Trey here for this debate, especially to talk about Garrett Cole and what he thinks about the whole situation. So we will do that next week when Trey joins me again on the podcast. Today, what I want to talk about is some of the breakout players that we have seen in Major League Baseball so far. We are roughly 60 games into the season, a little bit more. Some teams are a little bit less than 60 games, but roughly 60 games into the season, which was a full season last year. And in that time, we have seen some really good stretches from some breakout players this year. I mean, there are obviously the, the great players like Ronald Acuna Jr. and Fernando Tatis and Vladimir Guerrero, the established players, the established young players that are very good and having good seasons. But then there are the breakout players that, you know, maybe they've been around for a while, but they ever, haven't ever had that great of a season or maybe they're rookies and they're finally breaking into the big leagues and putting together a really respectable rookie season. But here are some of my favorite stretches from breakout players so far this year. We got to start with Eric Haas of the Detroit Tigers. Haas has been in the major leagues since 2018, playing with the Cleveland Indians in 18 and 19. And then last year, he came over and started playing with the Detroit Tigers when he was traded to Detroit. This year, he is on fire for the Tigers. He didn't start the season with the Major League team, but after they had a couple of injuries to their first and second string catchers, they called him up, and he's been in the lineup consistently for a, about a month now. And to begin the month of June, he went 9 for 20 with six home runs in six games. I mean, that is amazing. It's a really, really small span, only six games, but still nine for 20 with six home runs. And for a player that no one has ever really thought that much of, that's a really good stretch for Eric Haas. And it's been really fun to watch. It's 
been really impressive. Probably a little bit more impressive, though, is Patrick Wisdom, who I, I wrote these stats down on Wednesday. So they're not accounting for Wednesday or Thursday's games. But as of Wednesday, he had played in 15 games this season for the Chicago Cubs. In those 15 games, he's hitting 375 with a 432 on base percentage and a 1.025 slugging percentage. His slugging percentage is above 1,000. I mean, it's considered great if your on base plus slugging is above 1,000. But his slugging alone is above 1,000. And he has eight home runs in 15 games. <laughs> I mean, where are they finding these guys like Eric Haas and Patrick Wisdom where they can hit this many home runs in such a short time span? Eight home runs in 15 games. And he has helped the Chicago Cubs to a couple of very important wins over the Giants and the Padres. He is a player to keep an eye on as the season progresses. And then two other breakout players who had really good stretches at the beginning of the season. They've kind of cooled off since then. But you can't take away what they did to start off the season. Akil Badu, also of the Detroit Tigers, interestingly enough. In his first nine games of the season, he was batting 370 with a 379 on base percentage and a 963 slugging percentage. He hit four home runs in his first nine games of the season. I mean, that's that's really impressive. Again, for a guy that no one ever really heard of, no one ever really thought anything about him, nine home or four home runs, excuse me, in his first nine games of the season. A really impressive stretch there by Akil Badu to begin the season. And your mean Mercedes. Oh my gosh, you mean Mercedes. He has cooled down since the end of April, but his first month of the season was among the best we've ever seen. He was batting 415 in the first month of the season with a 455 on base percentage and a 659 slugging percentage, five home runs and 16 RBIs in the month of April. He started his career going eight for eight at the plate. He went five for five in the White Sox first game against the Angels, and then he started the next game three for three before failing to get a hit in his final at-bat of the night. But eight for eight in his first eight at-bats of his career. And just a fantastic month of April. He has cooled off a lot since then. And now we're through May and into June. And at this point, he is batting just 291 this season, which is still not bad. I mean, 291 is a respectable batting average. But when he was hitting 415 through one month, and now that we're through two and a half months, he's hitting 291. It's not great. And he only has seven home runs on the season. So he's only hit two since the end of April. But still, a phenomenal start to the season by Yermi Mercedes, and I think he's definitely a candidate for Rookie of the Year, definitely somebody to keep an eye on throughout the rest of this season. So those are just four players that I think have had very good stretches. You know, some of them are really short stretches, like only six games for Eric Haas in the month of June, but when you hit six home runs in six games, that's really impressive, and you're going to get noticed for that. So he put together a really good stretch, and he's putting together a decent season, and he's making a case to stay in the lineup even after those injured players come back from the injured list. But yeah, these are just some players that I think have had very good stretches so far this season. Very impressive breakout players that I think you need to keep an eye on throughout the rest of the season, especially Eric Haas and Patrick Wisdom, because they kind of they came out of nowhere recently. 
Badu and Mercedes, they were at the beginning of the season and they've significantly cooled off since then, struggled a little bit. But Haas and Wisdom, they're the hot ones right now. They came out of nowhere just recently at the end of May and early June. So definitely keep an eye on them the rest of the season. All right, like I said, we have a special guest on today's episode of the podcast. We have covered Virginia Tech baseball a little bit this season. Time to take a look at another team in the Commonwealth. The NCAA regionals were this past weekend. Only one team from the Commonwealth of Virginia advances to Super Regionals, and that would be the UVA Cavaliers. They win the Columbia, South Carolina Regional with a dramatic walk-off victory over Old Dominion on Tuesday morning. Here, joining us on the podcast today to break down that regional and their upcoming Super Regional Series against Dallas Baptist is Daily Progress reporter Bennett Conlon. Bennett, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast what was this weekend like in Columbia for UVA baseball? Yeah, well, first off, I guess it was pretty rainy. Uh, they had you know, an extra day uh, for the series or, or for the regional. They end up losing the first game. They play South Carolina. It was kind of a wonky regional to begin with, right, because Old Dominion is the seeded team. Their facilities um, are not quite up to par in terms of press box and TV and all that kind of stuff, so they weren't hosting. So South Carolina hosted, even though Old Dominion was the – the top seed in the regional. So Virginia's the third seed. They play South Carolina on the first day. They throw Andrew Rabbit, who's their ace, left-handed ace. He's been great. His last five starts coming in, he had an ERA of like 0. 0.7 or something, just be stuff. He ends up giving up four earned runs that South Carolina gets to him late in the game. Virginia loses that game. So then they're in the loser's bracket. They've got Jacksonville the next day. They're able to get out of that one, even though their number two starter struggled quite a bit. He gave up five runs and in two innings. Uh, and then the offense came on strong. They, they scored 13 in that game. They get South Carolina again the next day. They pitch a rich or a sophomore under their bullpen, Matt Wyatt, who hasn't done much this year, throws five innings, doesn't give up a run, strikes out eight. So really talented guy, but hadn't done a lot this year and was, was big for them. So then they've got Old Dominion. you got to beat them twice to advance to the Super Regional. They get them in the first game. They start off really strong. And I think they won an eight to three or something along those lines. Um, so they get into the next game, which was supposed to be played, I believe, on Monday night. They end up moving that game up from 7 o'clock to 5 o'clock. The rain starts, I think, at exactly 5 o'clock, so maybe some poor planning there. <laughs> it ends up getting washed out. They go to Tuesday, and they're able to survive a 10-inning marathon with Old Dominion. They win it 4-3. to three. Devin Ortiz had not started a game on the mound in his college career. He starts the game. Then he's also normally a first base or DH for them, and he hits a home run in the bottom of the 10th walk off to win it so just a crazy weekend a lot of rain delays uh, and obviously the monday game got pushed to tuesday but crazy for them and and they felt pretty confident going in but i think a lot of the confidence stemmed from andrew rabbit in the first game where if you can get off to a good start you can go one and oh it sets you up in a good position to advance he loses they throw a bunch of guys who really haven't done a ton all year and they kind of pitch out of their minds i didn't even mention brandon neek the reliever for them who in the first game against Old Dominion, he came in in relief. He throws five and two thirds and struck out 16. So a pretty stellar relief appearance for him. So it was, I mean, they, yeah, I'd say, <laughs> I mean, they pitched out of their minds the last, you know, three games to advance. Yeah. sounds like a, a really wild and really good weekend for UVA baseball. I want to circle back to that first game against South Carolina when they lose their first game of the regional what was the attitude around the team like after that loss, knowing they have to battle back after that? 
they were pretty positive just because they they've kind of battled back all year you know they were i think baseball america had them as the number two team nationally in the preseason going back to some of that offseason stuff and they were four and 12 to start acc play so they did not live up to those expectations they were struggling a ton and then once they got to four and 12 the head coach brian o'connor kind of pulled everyone aside on a road trip at georgia tech and was like all right we have to win every weekend the rest of the year including the next two games of this Georgia Tech series to get to 500 and ACC play. And if we lose one of the weekends, we're going to have to make that up with a sweep. So they did end up losing one of the weekends and they made it up with a sweep. So they finished the year 18 and 18 in conference play. So they're a team that's, that's kind of used to having their backs against the wall. So I think losing that first game, I think at least for me and other people in the media kind of assumed, all right, like it's going to be really hard to get out of here with South Carolina hosting, got a really good old dominion team but they didn't really blink at all. They didn't flinch much and, and just kept throwing different arms out there and it worked out for them. So they were super upbeat and positive after losing that first game. How impressive is what they did this weekend, losing that game and then coming back to win the, the regional? I mean, I, I saw some of your tweets over the weekend. I think it's pretty rare what they've done. Super rare, yeah. So I was digging through like the Wikipedia entries of all the, the brackets over the last 20 so years. So they changed to this specific regional format, double elimination four teams in 1999. And since then, uh, coming into this season, only two teams that were the number three or the number four seed in a regional had ever lost their first game and then advanced out of the regional. You'll see it a little bit more when it's the host school. Sometimes the host school gets upset with the top seed. They get upset by one of these teams, and then they kind of catch fire and roll through everybody at home, which is maybe not too surprising. But to be the number three seed, you're not hosting, super rare. And it was funny because, you know, two teams had done it in 20 or 21 years or whatever since it started. And then LSU did the same thing this year. LSU is a three seed, and, and they were in the Eugene regional. They lose the first game and then then rally and get out of there too. So it's, it's super rare to actually accomplish that. And Virginia even, they had never – advanced to a super regional without winning both of the first two games in a regional. So for them to to do what they did, get in the loser's bracket and, and make it out alive, it's a first for Brian O'Connor's kind of lengthy baseball career. Wow, so historic weekend for UVA baseball. Talking with Bennett Conlon of the Daily Progress, talking about UVA baseball's regional win in Columbia, South Carolina. The the last game of the series or of the weekend against Old Dominion I mean, it was it was a 9 a.m. start, so probably not a very big crowd there. But, I mean, what a game. A pitcher's duel through six innings, and then they're going back and forth, taking a bunch of lead changes, and then the walk-off home run by Ortiz, who started the game after only pitching, what, two innings yep. the whole season prior to this game? I mean, what an exciting game. Like I said, the 9 o'clock in the morning starts are probably not a, a very exciting fan atmosphere, although I could be wrong. Uh, but... I mean, that just seemed like such an exciting game to be at. It was so funny because it felt a lot like games earlier in the season. Like the COVID restrictions now have been loosened, but it felt so much like a COVID game because you've got basically just family members there, right? It's in Columbia. So if you're like a UVA fan, you've probably got work at Tuesday at 9 a.m. If you're an Old Dominion fan, you're probably in the same situation. Even if you had shown up for the weekend, you're probably not making it to Tuesday at 9 a.m. unless you're really burning some of that PTO and vacation time. So pretty much just family members and, and they made some noise for sure, but it was, it was pretty quiet and it's, it felt like one of the you know early midweek kind of games. It was two in-state teams. Like it's absolutely a game you could have seen, you know, in April in Charlottesville with, with nobody there. 
So it was crazy, but the way that both teams played was awesome. They're both really good teams. And Ortiz for him, yeah, he pitched two innings all year. He didn't pitch in 2020, that shortened season. He had pitched in 2019 and was pretty good, but he had a really good summer in Florida recently. I think it was a couple of summers ago as a hitter. And they were like, all right, like we've got a ton of arms. Let's transition you to mostly in the lineup and playing defense and things like that. And he had done a really good job with it. But they had started working him up in some of these midweek scrimmages just within the own, their own team. And they're like, wow, this guy's still got some pretty good stuff on the mound. So they were working him up thinking that, hey, if we get to, you know, the fifth game of a regional and we're in the loser's bracket, we're going to start Devin Ortiz. So I don't think anyone from the outside really expected that. But the coaches after were like, yeah, we kind of hoped that he could give us four innings and he did. So <laughs> I think everyone else was on the outside looking in, but he was awesome. And he's been hitting great all year. So for him to come up and, and sort of write the story perfectly, I think was least enjoyable for some of the journalists in the press box it made it a pretty easy storyline there with Ortiz <laughs> yeah it sounds like he had a, a good story with this uh, regional win over the weekend another guy who made a big impact for UVA Stephen Shock how popular is he right now just outside of UVA just on Twitter with that video of his interview being shared so many times he's so interesting because uh, he's a guy who didn't start at Virginia so he was at some some mid-majors before Virginia joined them last season. You don't really have a chance last year with with COVID to make much of a national impact. So you've got to get to the postseason. They get there now and he pitched really well. And of course they give him the, the chance on an ESPN broadcast to have a post-game interview. He is a hilarious quote. He has been since he arrived in Charlottesville, really funny guy. And, and that was no surprise at all. And I think for people to see that and see him, it's, it's no surprise that he is gaining that steam because he's pretty hilarious. I've talked to him a bunch. You know, he always talks about the Bachelor franchise. He watches that and he watches a ton <laughs> of reality TV. He obviously has kind of the Kenny Powers lookalike thing going on and he leans into that too. He seems to to enjoy it and embrace it. So he's a hilarious guy and he's gotten a lot of steam and a lot of things. I know different outlets, whether it was ESPN, I think Barstool Sports, a couple of their accounts had, had kind of picked him up a bit. So he's He's getting some traction, and it, it makes sense for those who know him. Well, I hope he was able to buy himself some dipping dots <laughs> after the games <laughs> this past weekend. So now that UVA has won the regionals, they'll move on to super regionals. But staying in Columbia, what can we expect from their upcoming series this weekend? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that the super regional sets up pretty well for them. They're playing Dallas Baptist. And Dallas Baptist had a really interesting run out of the Fort Worth regional where they had a couple games where they were down big and they ended up coming back and winning a couple of those. I think TCU was up five, nothing on them and they ended up winning six to five or something like that. And then they were down in, you know, an elimination game with Oregon state. The winner was would advance to a super regional and they were down five, nothing in that game. And they, they got it to five to two and, and started clawing their way back. And then they hit a grand slam in the bottom of the seventh, two outs, five to two to take a, a one run lead. Then they ended up winning eight to five, I think. So, they're a team that they've got a lot of guys in their lineup batting over 300. Some of that is they play in the Missouri Valley Conference, which maybe isn't the toughest competition every week, but also interesting that you've got a team from Dallas that's playing in the Missouri Valley Conference. They've got some, some conference foes that don't make sense. So I guess if you're a mid-major in uh, college baseball, you got to find whatever conference affiliation you can get. But they've got a good team, and they actually knocked UVA out of the 2017 regional. I think that might have been in Fort Worth as well. So they're a team that Virginia's familiar with. They're a good baseball team. And the super regional format, though, I think sets up well for Virginia, just because they really like their weekend rotation. Andrew Abbott's a guy who's been, you know, electric this season for them. And 
they'll have him in that first game, and they've got a whole bunch of options they can throw in game two and game three. So an exciting weekend coming up for UVA baseball, taking on Dallas Baptist again in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, another team that you probably focused on a lot this year, your alma mater, James Madison, their softball team had quite the run in the postseason. Were you doing any multitasking this weekend, you know, watching the baseball game in front of you and watching the softball game on your computer? I certainly was. And some of them, the, the schedule lined up enough that I could watch it, it separately. But it was interesting that final game, they got eliminated by Oklahoma. Uh, that one is when they moved up the start time and they had the rain delay anyway. So I was watching it just as it rained on the field in Columbia. I had it on in the press box on my laptop. So had a chance to watch that. Yeah, they made a, a heck of a run and the Women's College World Series is such a fun product where you've got, you know, seven inning games, they're action packed, they don't last all that long, ton of action in them. So college softball is deservedly getting some attention now and crazy to see Jamie make this kind of run. Yeah, I had never really paid that much attention to it, never really watched it. But, you know, as someone from Harrisonburg as, as well, I always root for JMU, even though I ended up going to Virginia Tech. I always have that spot for JMU. So I was rooting for them throughout their postseason run. And I mean, it was really impressive. And it, I I was debating that softball may actually be more exciting than baseball, especially when you get to the postseason like that. I think it's it's definitely got a case for it. And I think both baseball and softball when you get the postseason is so much fun. But it's yeah, I think there's something for me. Maybe it's my age and my short attention span. But you give me the seven inning. <laughs> it's really intense. I mean, you can have teams like you look at Oklahoma where they're averaging, you know, 10 plus runs a game. That's super exciting. But you've also got like JMU's number two pitcher. I think she threw four no hitters this season. So like you've got some really interesting stuff that you can track in all those games. And yeah, it's been a ton of fun to watch. I'm, I'm looking forward to the future seasons. Hopefully JMU can, can get it going. I imagine next year when they get home and you ease the COVID restrictions, those early season games might have some, some pretty loud Harrisonburg crowds. Yeah, I would imagine so. So what what's up next for you? Are you heading down to Columbia this weekend? Are you going to cover the games again? I'll be in Columbia again. Yeah, certainly interesting that uh, they happen to be in Columbia and neither teams are from there. So it might be a similar quiet atmosphere. It's, it's interesting. I figured the NCAA might do it slightly differently, but the way that they have it is where you've got to be at one of those 16 regional sites. TCU, the seed lost. Old Dominion, the seed lost, although they still would have been there anyway because Old Dominion didn't have the facilities really to host it. So... They go to Columbia, I'll be back there, familiar with the press box. Their staff did a great job, and uh, they're providing us with plenty of food in there throughout the, the days in the press box, so <laughs> I cannot complain. I think the last day they, they knocked us out with Chick-fil-A, so pretty excited about that. <laughs> yeah, I can't complain about that. you got to love the press box food. All right, well, Bennett, safe travels down to Columbia again this weekend, and we thank you for coming on the podcast. We'll be following along as UVA takes on Dallas Baptist in the Super Regionals this weekend. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again to Bennett Conlin for joining us on the podcast and breaking down UVA baseball's regional win in Columbia, South Carolina this past weekend. UVA will take on Dallas Baptist also again in Columbia on Saturday at noon. That game will be on ESPNU. Then Sunday again at noon, that game will be on ESPN2. And game three of the series, if necessary, will be on Monday at 1 p.m., again on ESPNU. So that's how you can catch UVA Baseball's Super Regional Series against Dallas Baptist in Columbia, South Carolina. Thanks again to Bennett Conlon for joining us on the podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week for the next episode of the Foul Ball Area Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Foul Ball Area Podcast. Make sure to leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they come out. Thank you.